helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome to this episode of the Life Transformation Show. This is your co-host, Bettina Davomar. Each of us has a side of ourselves that is positive, that is cheering us on as we move through life and encouraging us to take positive actions. However, we also have another side that is like our worst enemy, and these two sides can easily flip back and forth on us. This is called the inner critical voice. For some people, the inner critical voice has full control of their lives. Today's show is entitled Six Ways to Tame Your Inner Critic. And joining me in studio is our award-winning psychotherapist, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Bettina. And it's so good to be on air with you again to discuss this very interesting show, that inner critic. And I like that introduction. You talk about the inner critic having full control in some some people's life. And that's so true because for some people, the inner critic dictate what they do and what they don't do and limit their potential and take full control of what's going on in their lives. So I think this show, Six Ways to Tame Your Inner Critic, Mm -hmm. is going to be very helpful to some of our listeners that might be struggling with this inner voice that tell you to uh, not do certain things that God has placed on your heart to do or not to associate with some people because who do you think you are? These people are better than you. They're not going to like you or maybe even uh, sabotage you from finding uh, the person that God has in store for you in life because you just can't think that this person would like you because your inner critic is saying, no, he's too good for you or she's too good for mm. you. She would never look at a person like you. And the thing about the inner critic is that it ends up in creating what psychologists call self-fulfilling prophecy. Because if you think someone is too good for you and they would never want to be in a relationship with you, then guess what? Chances are you will not end up in a relationship with that person. Even your attitude towards that person Mm. could be sending the wrong signal and they might think, what it is, maybe she doesn't like me. She looks at me weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that's the inner critic in you saying, don't he even smile at this person because they're not going to pay you in the mind. So you have this look on your face like a frown that ends up sabotaging you because that inner critic is dictating your destiny. Right. Michael, I really think this is going to be a great show. It's going to help so many people. Can you give us examples from your practice of how a person's inner critic may interfere with their lives? Yes, I think I'd love to do that with you. But let us start by looking at some scriptures first. Mm-hmm. I think the first example that I see in scripture of the inner critic is the man with the one talent in Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. And we see in that story that this man, he had a whole narrative going on in his mind of how harsh the master was. 
And so this attitude towards the master is actually a reflection of what he feels about himself. Because he's thinking to himself, I can't do that. I might, I will fail. And when I fail, the master is going to be harsh at me. So he's actually not thinking in positive terms. The inner critic is saying, bear that talent. Don't do, don't invest it. Because if you invest it, bad things will happen. Mm. And so this sabotaging voice is setting him up for self-fulfilling prophecy because you notice that the very thing that he f- that he said the master was going to be harsh he was the only one the master was harsh with right wasn't harsh with the others no. who had more talent because their inner critic did not stop them from investing and from earning more on top of what the master had given to them in that talent in, ma- in uh, given to them in that passage in Matthew twenty five fourteen to thirty, I can also think of uh, Mephibosheth in Second Samuel nine verse six to thirteen as another example of that, because we see Mephibosheth when he was summoned by King David to come to the palace. Remember what went on in Mephibosheth's mind. Mm-hmm. The first thought he had was that David is going to kill me. Right. <laughs> right. I must have done something wrong. Or maybe because I am the grandson of King Saul, he's trying to wipe out all of King Saul, <laughs> Saul's hairs. And so this was the exact opposite because David had actually called Mephibosheth to restore to him the land of his grandfather, land that belonged to his grandfather. So you see, the inner critic, Mm. not only does it sabotage us, but it it lies to us and Mm -hmm. it tells us things that we interpret what is going on in other people's minds when in fact we have no idea and oftentimes it's the negativity that in us that is creating that reflection on others. Right. And so maybe if we could go into the different examples that uh, from your practice, we have the biblical ones. Yeah, so I think one of the examples that I see quite often in my practice is people who have a meeting with their boss. So the boss will say, I would like to have a meeting with you. Let's use this month, since we're in this month, for example, on the 26th of September. Please let us schedule a meeting to meet at 9 a.m. on the 26th of September. And so these people will, for the time leading up to that be totally dominated by their inner critic right. to the point where they, they can't sleep. They're having nightmares of being fired and being on the, sleep, on the street homeless mm-hmm. because they don't have a job. And it's just a cascading, uh, c- cascading examples of negative things that they're coming up with that why my boss is wanting to have a meeting with me. And as we process these things in our session, we begin to look at, okay, has is there a problem with your work? Has he criticized your work before? No, my work is fine. Like, as a matter of fact, he has often spoken very uh, very pleasantly and, and, and very highly of the work that I have done. And as we begin to look at those, at, at the reality of the situation, we see that it's not rooted mm. in reality. It's rooted in fear. And oftentimes these people come back to me and say, guess what, Michael? 
And I said, what? They said, I got a promotion. Hmm. So, so the very exactly. opposite of what they're expecting hmm. is what always happened. But that inner critic is saying, you're going to be fired. Right. The boss wants to meet with you. You're this, you. You had this coming to you, right? You're always yeah. a failure. Yeah. And that inner critic creates sleepless nights, nightmares, and all kinds of unpleasant things. I guess, Michael, another example would probably be with interviews. When people go for interviews, maybe the night before they're stressing out and that yes. inner voice takes kicks in. Right, yes. <laughs> Say, they're not going to hire yeah, you. Who do yeah, you think exactly. you are? And they probably end up with the with the job. What? Let's talk about the origin of the inner critic. What is the origin of the inner critic? The inner critic is usually a reflection of the voice of the first authority figures in our lives. So mm. it could be a highly critical parent where nothing that you did was ever good enough. It could be that father that you came home with a 98 and he said, what happened to the other 2%? And so that inner critic, as a result of those early experiences, are thinking that nothing is ever going to be good enough for others. Whatever I do will fall short. But uh, inner critic can also be formed by early experiences with our peers. So if you were that child on the playground and, you know, children can be very cruel, <laughs> Bettina. Very Remember cruel. those days oh, when yeah. people would make fun of my last name and rhyme <laughs> it with something else, right? <laughs> that, right. That, that's not very pleasant. No. So, you know, sometimes we we have these experiences early in life that can create that that low self-esteem, the sense that we are not good enough or that we are not going to be liked by others when in when we get to adulthood. So so someone who is bullied and teased right. by their peers, or maybe you were that uh, child who for sport you were picked last like you weren't athletic and they would go through you know you had two captains yes. and they're picking teams <laughs> to see the last who gets first and you're picked. always the last one right, right? so <laughs> I see uh, people who are highly successful in the academic field who had that very experience of being picked last mm -hmm. and it is affecting even their, their academic career even though they're brilliant people because any kind of criticism by a superior in their, their academic work triggers this feeling mm. of not being good enough because they were the kid that was never picked or was picked last in all instances. Right. And so what would what do people with a strong inner critic have in common? What I find, Bettina, in, in my practice, the people that I have seen uh, in the work that I do as a psychotherapist is that uh, many of these people, regardless of how successful they are, they don't feel that they have accomplished enough. Mm. And so it creates this work. This, this tendency to overwork themselves because they're, it's as if they're working for something that can never be attained because that inner critic is saying you are not, is always saying you are not good enough. And some of these people will get to the very pinnacle of their careers and still feel not good 
enough because that inner voice is always saying you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I see that is quite common and that creates a lot of anxiety and unproductivity in people with strong inner critic is uh, people who will work on a document endlessly mm. to try to make it a hundred percent correct. Would it be like a perfectionist? A perfectionist. So right. so the document is excellent and you know, your average person would look at that and say, This is great. Mm-hmm. The boss would say this is great. But for this person, their inner critic is saying, What if there is something that you missed? Mm. And they will check it and check it over again and do all kind of reviews, write it over, tear it up, do it again. And so a document that could be produced in five hours will sometimes take 25 yeah. hours. And they will even carry home the work to make mm-hmm. it perfect, taking away time from their home life and from spending time with their family right. just because this inner critic is is in control. So this show today is about how we're going to silence or tame mm-hmm. your inner critic. And so what would the first step in overcoming your inner critic be? A very first and crucial step would be to to identify the emotions that trigger the inner critic. So what you need to do is to to sit down and to say, okay, when is this inner critic? When does this inner critic come out and start talking to me? And it could be in in situations where you're anxious, like anxiety. It could also be emotion situations where you're fearful. It could be situations where you're feeling lonely. So an example of of the inner critic being challenged by loneliness would be a person who is at a party, for example, and uh, there, there's lots of talking. People are talking to each other and they don't know anyone at the party and the inner critic say, no one likes you. Mm. See, you're unlovable. Just mm-hmm. take your stuff and go oh. home. This is not this is not a good place for you. Mm-hmm. And so this person is the, the loneliness is triggering not good enough. And that not good enough could be something that's rooted in childhood. And so uh, I see that we're halfway in the show. We could we should give out our contact information before we look at the other things. So if you have just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. I am your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services, and that other voice that you're hearing today is Bettina Davilmar, and she's the one asking all of those interesting <laughs> questions. And as I said, today we are talking about how to tame your inner critic, six ways to tame your inner critic. If you'd like to contact us, you can call us at one 877 3546 or you can contact us by email which is found on our website. We also want to let you know that you can listen to this show if you have missed the, the, the first part of it or you'd like to listen to past shows. You can find those on our YouTube channel by going to our our uh, our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And just by clicking on the 
icon for YouTube, you'll have over 200 past shows that we did. And so, again, we want to thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. So, Bettina, let us also remind, I just remember that mm-hmm. we have a retreat, retreat that's coming yes. up on the 8th to the 8th, 9th, and 10th of November, yes. the weekend of the 8th of November at Providence Point in Lanark. And we are already beginning to full up. So if you would like to be one of the guests at this retreat, then we encourage you to give us a call. This is a life-changing retreat. Mm-hmm. And when I say life-changing retreat, I really mean that people who have been through this retreat speaks very highly yes. of it. So again, give us a call at one 544 3546 to get your name on the list. I think we are almost halfway full. So if you'd like to be there, do not wait until October. It happens every year. People call in October saying, I would like to go to the retreat in November and we are already full by that time. So Bettina, we were discussing mm. the steps of yes. the six steps of how to tame your inner critic. And I think we just did number one and we talked about identifying the triggers. Because right. if you can identify the triggers, then you are on your way to begin to know when it's likely to happen and mm-hmm. you can reframe those situations in a different way so instead of saying no one likes me you can say i'm feeling lonely right. or instead of saying you know listening to the inner voice that says you're going to flunk that interview you can say i am feeling fearful or i'm feeling anxious and that's all it's just an emotion mm-hmm. it's anxiety i do not have to listen to that voice that's telling me that who do you think you are right, right? focus on the emotions that you're feeling name the emotions right. that you're feeling mm-hmm. and just see the situation at that i'm anxious i'm fearful and then if you have those emotions then you can come up with ways maybe you can have comforting scriptures that you can use to speak to the emotions but do not get drawn into debating with your inner mm. your inner voice i call have done studies like Ethan Cross, for example, of the University of Michigan says that trying to suppress these these emotions or silence the voice of the inner critic just does not work. So that's the first step. And so, Michael, you talk about naming the source. What do you mean by naming the source? That would be the second step. Right. So the second step of naming the source is very, very important because what this is saying is where does this inner voice come from? Mm-hmm. What's the origin of it? Right. It could be a parent, it could be uh, children on the playground. And so for some of these uh, highly successful people that come to me and they, they have the imposter syndrome where they're highly successful, but they don't feel like their success is genuine, we go back to to childhood incidents and we named the source and we said that little child inside of you is still hurting and we need to speak to that little child and comfort that little child or that voice that you're hearing in your head is the voice of your critical parent mm-hmm. and you need to to speak to that parent in a way to say that I don't deserve to be spoken to like that. 
And it's so important to come to that realization, Michael. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so what you're doing is having compassion on your little, your your younger self mm-hmm. through these exercises, where you're saying, "Yes, I I shouldn't feel that the '98 wasn't good enough as a child, right? Right? I I sh- I should be praised for that." So you're giving yourself the comfort and the reassurance that you didn't get from that parent. And so. We've, we know number one step is identify the triggers. Number two step is name the source. What about number th- uh, the third step? The third step is to make an impact statement of how it has affected your life. And this is a very important step because in, in criminal cases, when they do victim impact statement, it's a way of, of seeing really how bad the situation is. Mm-hmm. So if you take the time to do an impact statement of your inner critic, you might find that it has sabotaged you finding a partner in life. You might find that it has, it has sabotaged you applying for that promotion at work. You might find that it has even limited the work that you have done for God. And when there's something about writing things out, and when you write things out, it becomes more powerful and you're more likely to do something about it. Right. And so number four, self-affirmation exercises. So the the fourth step is the self-affirmation exercises, and this is a daily exercise. This is a way of training your mind and uh, re- reframing situations. So the self-affirmation exercises would involve just the first thing that you do when you get up in the morning is to speak things in your life that are right. positive. Mm-hmm. So the voice would tell you that you're not good enough. Who, who, who or what are your Bible passages that, that overcome that negative statement? So if you, what the, the, the point here is that don't wait until you're in an emotional situation to deal with the negative voice in your head because by then it's too late. Right. The time to do that is ahead of time. Right. So in the morning you get up, you affirm yourself, I am a child of God. God loves me. He died for me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I have many talents. I am good at, you know, music. I am I'm good at public speaking and just just undo that negative voice that is telling you that you are not good enough. Mm-hmm. If the voice says no one loves you, affirm, write the list of people in your life that you know really care for you and look out for you. And this doesn't necessarily have to be family members. They can be people in your church community. And I suspect we would have to do that daily, right? Yes. Yes. So what about the use of non-first-person ways? In challenging those thoughts. Yes, that's the fifth step. So in this step, the use of non-first person ways is speaking to the voice in, in, in another, uh, in, in non-first person terms. So instead of saying I, you use the word she or he or an example that Jesus did, they say this is a, a new technique that was invented, a CBT, Cognitive Behavior Therapy technique, technique that was invented by the Professor Ethan Cross of the University of Michigan. But actually, Jesus used this technique in the temptation. When his inner critic was telling him that he should turn stones into bread, or that 
he he sh- that he should turn stone into bread. Let's use that one before we go on to the other one. What Jesus did is he used a non-first person technique by saying, "Man shall not live by bread." alone. Exactly. And so they have done research that showed that by using that technique, you are now taking it out of the subjectivity mm-hmm. of yourself and saying, generally, this is this is how it applies. Mm-hmm. So if the voice comes to you and say, you know you're stupid, you're going to you're going to fail that interview, you can say not people who, who who don't do well at interviews or people who don't get the job doesn't mean are not stupid people. Mm-hmm. There might be a number of other factors why people. So we're using the word people. Mm-hmm. You're not saying I am not going to get the job and and I'm not stupid because then you're, you're making it too subjective and you can get caught up in your emotions that way. So when you use a non first person a way of talking about the situation actually this is this is not new as they said because Jesus, Jesus did it used a it. thousand years ago <laughs> when he said man shall yeah. not live by bread alone right. and when he was tempted the other one I want to talk about when he was tempted to jump from the temple he says thou shall not tempt the Lord thy God right. so he's using these terms and he's not saying I'm not going to tempt the Lord thy God Mm-mm. but he's saying it's not it's not a a principle, a good principle, to tempt, Attempt. to tempt God. It's right. not something that that it, it, it's good for anyone to do. So use those non-person way mm-hmm. of talking about your situation. So, Michael, we've come to the last step, the sixth step. What would that be? The sixth and final step is to root your decision in facts, not feeling. Mm-hmm. And this is a very powerful technique because remember we said in the first step that you are to identify what you're feeling. And the reason why the inner critic reign in the lives of some people is that they listen to the emotions. Mm-hmm. So the emotions that say that, that makes them feel lonely will cause them to leave that party thinking, no one is going to talk to you. This is going to be a terrible evening. No one likes you anyway. And so they they root their decision in that feeling of loneliness. Right. But if you root it in the in 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 facts. facts, you can look around the room and you can say, "Oh, there are other people who are sitting by Hello. themselves, right. and you know they look quite comfortable." So there's nothing wrong for me to sit here. Oh, maybe I can go and mm-hmm. talk to someone because I am lonely. Doesn't mean that because because a person is sitting alone doesn't mean that they're unlovable. And so again, by rooting your decision in facts, it's very important. So Jesus did this when he used the term repeatedly, it is written. written. Mm -hmm. So in other words, I am not going to be ruled by my subjective feeling. I'm going to go by what God's word says. And he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So that's the technique that Jesus is using. He's rooting his decision. I'm going to do this or not do this based on what the the facts Mm. of the word, not by how I am feeling. Because if Jesus was to go by his feeling, he would have turned those stones into bread because he was hungry. He was was fasting. It would be so easy to say, oh, I'm so hungry. Right. You know, God (laughs) will forgive me if I do this. Let's just turn these stones into bread. Mm -hmm. But he based it 
on facts. facts. So I don't know what you might be going through mm. as you listen to this show today. As you listen, I don't think it's by chance that you're tuning into this broadcast today. Maybe God is trying to shape your life in a new direction, but you have been fearful because of this critical voice. Maybe there's a relationship that you have been sabotaging because of that critical voice. Maybe there's a church congregation that you feel that you should become a part of, but you have been projecting that no one there likes you and it has sabotaged you from becoming Mm -hmm. a part of any church. Maybe God is speaking to you through this show today. So again, we want to thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Remember our retreat that's coming up on the 8th to the 10th of November at Providence Point. If you'd like to be in that list, give us a call at one 544 3546 We also want to remind you that you can help us by making a donation to this ministry by going to our website. There are instructions there as to how to do that. Our website is elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And so we want to thank you for listening. And until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Mm-hmm.